0: to scale the website. Now, they also become more productive and can take help from the ChatGPT to do all of that, but you still point to people to create products. You still need to go, need to uh, you know, understand how business is functioning, how to bridge some of the gaps, how to come up with ideas to bridge those gaps. And yeah, you can say that the ChatGPT can also do the same, uh, but I think it will ultimately There's require some...
1: A- Anything super powerful can be misused. But the current threat Joana, is whether AI will rule the world and whether AI and GPT will take away our jobs. How can we fight that? And how to skill yourself? What are the right ways to approach technology? Today's conversation hai is all about technology and from a man who is an absolute, the top guy in the tech community today. Now I don't know anyone who has anyone else in India today who has led technology for so many top Indian companies in his career. We are talking to Prashant Prasher. He's headed engineering and been CTO for Zomato, Ola, and Snapdeal in the last few years, three of the largest startups in India. He comes from a very modest background and he's been into startups all his life. We have fashioned the majority of the podcast as a masterclass on how to grow and build your career. And what it takes to eventually aspire to lead companies, no matter where you come from. Also as a bonus, we'll discuss what an interview with the Ola CTO looks like. Now, this is an episode you absolutely can't miss. Because technology is the backbone of everything in today's world and probably most important aspect of not just, not just growth, but also survival today. Make sure to watch till the end and keep telling me what are the good and the bad things you found in the conversation, because I will be reading them all throughout and i bring them up. I'll bring them up in the next episodes. Hey Prashant. So welcome to the podcast. Hey Pradesh. Thanks. So let's start with ChatGPT, GPT, Prashant. Uh, it mm-hmm. has taken the world by a storm, right? Uh, yeah. Chat GPT 4 was launched recently and in the launch itself, it was able to write code for a website that was drawn on a paper, on a piece of paper, right? it was a wake up call for the tech community in general. So what do you say about uh, how do you see the chatbot It will impact tech and how do you adapt to it?
0: Yeah, I think uh, chat GPT has been a, I would say kind of a very abrupt evolution of technology. So it is something that has come from tech. So I think we need to understand that first, it is not something that comes from outside and then is kind of disrupting the tech. It's, it is kind of an internal disruption from the tech community and uh, what i believe is that it is going to aid into a acceleration of adoption of technology a lot more than it has than anything else has done in the last few years it is like what internet has has done to technology or to adoption of technology in the world but the chat gpt is also going to do the same uh, it is uh, so for the example that you took for example the website anybody can create Now, um, uh, still the small little businesses don't have the technology, don't have the resources to create or automate uh, their processes using technology. So ChatGPT is going to help all of them a lot more. And uh, that is going to increase the uh, adoption of technology, increase the use of technology and increase the demand for uh, people and tools. Uh, from the technology world, so I think it is a, a good disruption but, for the technology world.
1: Prashant, uh, yeah. Right now, where we stand, yeah. it seems like it will disrupt the tech world also. But, uh, yeah. I can totally understand historically. Uh, historically speaking, technology has always created more jobs than it has taken away. That is the yeah. uh, background for tech. Yeah. But right now, where we stand, we don't, I'm not able to figure out. People, a lot of people are scared. There is a lot of uh, there is a lot of, uh, the buzzword yeah. children, Chad, you put, you will eat away your jobs and everything. Right so yeah. now where we stand, how, how will those jobs get created?
0: No, I don't think we need to be afraid of new technology at all. Uh, and ever, I think, uh, some kinds of job will get redundant. Some new kind of jobs will get created. That's how the technology has disrupted the world so far. And in, in the new sense, also, it is going to do the same, uh, just take an example the website they were saying you are able to create a website using a, a, a diagram on drawn on the paper but ultimately somebody has to maintain the website some somebody has to scale the website now they also become more productive and can take help from the chat GPT to do all of that but you still going to need people to create products. you still need to go need to um, you know, understand how business is functioning how to bridge some of the gaps how to come up with ideas to bridge those gaps and yeah you can say that the chat GPT can also do the same uh, but I think it will ultimately require somebody's help and somebody's ideas who will uh, take help from chat GPT to do things faster so it will accelerate a lot of adoption in exactly what ways it will change the world I think we all of us will have to Watch in what ways that new jobs would be created, but I firmly believe that it will actually create uh, more adoption and more jobs ultimately.
1: Ultimately, like you said, I think yeah. I also totally agree with it. Uh, yeah. I am of the same opinion. Ultimately, it will accelerate people in doing their own jobs and doing their own work. Uh, yeah. And like historically, the data technology yeah. is always created, new jobs will get created. Yeah. We are yet to see what, what would those new jobs look like.
0: Yeah, it, it was always hard to figure out. So when internet came that how will internet change the world? And even the most uh, uh, experts in that field and, you know, well-known folks in, in the technology field uh, couldn't figure out what exactly will, ex- will uh, be changed, what exactly would be disrupted. It generally takes some time. Uh, for everyone to figure
1: out, including me and you. Yep, yep, yep. Now, I think uh, I want to come to another uh, important and very interesting piece, actually. And uh, you have been uh, CTO at Zumato earlier, you have lead technology for Ola and Slamdale. So, we have headed technology at multiple companies now so far. Okay? Yeah. And uh, typically, I've had a very unconventional journey. Uh, you don't have a degree from the IITs or any brand as a pedigree. So I just want to probably the rest of the session, I want to uh, uh, model it as a, say, as a masterclass of sorts of how to become uh, a CXO or how would someone uh, mm-hmm. who's getting into tech today? Yeah. How someone who's been into tech for the last five, 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, how can they uh, seek to grow and reach the top rank in the uh, tech world today? these are some of the biggest companies in India today, right? No matter what What did you do differently? How how, let's, let's, let's uh, let's model this like a masterclass how do you build that journey?
0: So I think uh, I would say first, you know, slightly uh, uh, high level answer to it is that uh, success in any field is pretty much composed of very similar things. Like you are passionate about something. So you uh, go into depth of the subject, uh, do a lot of uh, mundane things day day in, day out, uh, not get bored of the things that you are working on and uh, put a lot of hard work into learning uh, your subject. So that's one very important part of any job when you want to become an expert in that job. Uh, Two is, so that alone, though sometimes wouldn't result into you becoming uh, you know, a top leader in that industry. Uh, the second uh, part is uh, curiosity. You need to have a lifelong curiosity to learn things, how the things are changing in your industry, where the industry is going, and, or what new things are coming in the world, what new technologies are coming in the world. So you need to always keep on uh, looking at what you can try and what are those things. You can learn those newer things while becoming subject matter of th- the things that you are already working on. Uh, that's number two. Number but three tushan, is that,
1: yeah. Curiosity can develop ki ja hai, is it something that is inherent in upbringing? Mein a hai, can it be still be developed?
0: Yes, yes. I think
1: uh, I don't believe ki curiosity
0: is uh, not develop. Ki ja I think it can be developed at any given point in time. Um uh, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Like I, uh, I was so I come from a you know from a very small town, and then went into engineering in uh, in a government engineering college, and uh, I was just wanted to do something big. Uh, That was my goal. Now there there used to be time when I used to just pick books from library just because i want to just learn stuff so that i can do something big i was it was not that i was very curious about the subject so always it's not that uh, curiosity is there so you are picking a subject and then only you are working on it but when you are driven by a purpose slowly your Personality also starts building that curiosity at any given point in time in the life. Even today, suppose uh, if I were non-curious, I still, if I'm driven by a purpose, say if I want to build, um, uh, say a product to serve a specific segment and I'm really driven that I can't, uh, I can, I'm not able to sleep if I don't work on that, then that itself will develop curiosity. So. I think one of the major aspect of curiosity is being driven by purpose and uh, that is where uh, I think curiosity can be developed. So yeah coming back to so number two is curiosity one needs to and one can start picking books I think one of the major uh, part of developing curiosity is one is being purpose driven Two is that you can start picking books or YouTube videos uh, uh, in any field today. Everything is available on internet. You can start learning a little bit about it and do if you are in a field where you can say You can code or where you can build things. You can start building things and that automatically develops curiosity number three, you need to have a little bit of courage or risk-taking ability uh, That is not very natural in the world uh, where uh, You have to go against lot of advice around you uh, the risk taking is not just about like financial risk taking or uh, your family risk taking ability it's just about going against the advice that you hear from you know in your circles from the world uh, that is where you need to put your own mind and see what you want to do and take an independent view of uh, the world so I think those two three things in any field will would help you excel now becoming CXO is in itself cannot be a goal for anyone if you like if you say that I want to become CXO you can become a CXO tomorrow like you can just open your own company and become a CXO I think becoming an expert uh, and a a voice of choice in your field uh, a person who is dependable and expert those are the things that one should strive for that is where you need to be different from the average you need to have a, a drive to excel in those f- uh, fields one once you have the drive to excel uh the world will take notice then you can become whatever you want to become but it cannot be driven by like if a college fresh grad comes and say I want to become a CXO and it starts like and I have seen people like every two months they are today I'm learning ML tomorrow I'll learn React the day after I'll learn data structure this is not a not an exam of sort where you can just mug up things and and then prepare for it it's like doing real things in life doing real things with excellence in life doing real things and developing depth because of Your strive to solve problems if you are solving problems deeply on day-to-day basis uh, Sometimes you have to detach from that goal of becoming say CXO If you are too attached to that goal, you wouldn't be focusing on the work at hand If you are focused on your work at hand for next couple of years without worrying about what is going to happen ten years later You would probably come out much better than somebody who just focus on what is uh, her goal after ten years so one has to give good amount of time uh, in any subject to become expert. And that is what that is what is very important. You don't need to become a CXO, it's not something some sort of a prize or crown. I you, think you can become a good architect, one can become a distinguished architect, one can become a, a subject matter expert in one of the evolving field and write papers in um, in in publications. So the core thing here is being an expert in your field.
1: I think you mentioned tons of things that I couldn't agree more actually. Um, you talked about being purpose and you talked about taking risks. I remember uh, I remember talking to one of the founders, one of the uh, largest companies in India, I'll not name him. Uh, and uh, uh, so uh, he's, he's in his uh, early 50s of sorts. And uh, uh, I was talking to him and he said, Ki, I was telling, you, uh, he was discussing about the Things that uh, he knew he could have done better, uh, the mistakes that he did in his past, and there are not a lot of mistakes. Uh, if you look at it, not a lot of mistakes that uh, this guy has made. He's built a 5 billion company now. And he said, one of the things that he said was probably a point that he made was that I wish I had taken more risks earlier in my life, even early yeah. in my life. I think that's, I think, uh, that's one thing. Uh, that uh, a lot of people miss out on uh, a lot of this uh, ambition, hai Jo like uh, be become like we talked about becoming a CxO in general. Yeah, lot of lot of ambitious thoughts are there. Lot lot of oh, aspirations. Okay. Uh, but a lot of uh, re- getting there. No? It takes a lot of uh, risk taking. It takes a lot of being purpose driven, being focused. Uh, a lot of people miss out on that journey, and yeah. just look at that uh, end goal, that end aspiration.
0: Yeah. And this risk taking is also become a kind of a cliche and, and some point that, uh, see in the world, most people want to just take a pill and be successful. Take a, like overnight success. Um, uh, and so when somebody hears somebody taking risk taking people will just go and leave their jobs and leave their colleges and drop out of college and start something, uh, it, there is no formula to it see the thing is that uh, you take risk when you are really ready for it like ready in the sense not i'm not saying financially ready or uh, ready from external perspective from internally uh, do you have enough in you in terms of knowledge expertise passion for that purpose then you take that risk you can't just because everybody is doing it that's what the major part of being success, successful is in any field you do what others are not doing, right? If most of the people are just starting up just right after college in your class, then thinking from first personal first principle basis that whether it is right for you or not from you in an individual perspective, whether that thing to do is right or not is very important rather than just following what everybody is doing rather than following the advice of everyone. So, Yeah, that uh, just wanted to add that point that don't take risk taking as a cliche that, okay, now I'll just go and uh, start dropping. Do the thing really, really well what you do currently, develop that expertise in depth uh, and when you have passion to do something, then take the risk. Then that's less of a risk. Otherwise, the risk risk versus reward is very skewed uh, towards risk if you just take the risk without having the passion or expertise. Uh, for a subject,
1: god, so Prashant Let's uh, if we come back to so, let's say, uh, let's say we are trying to draw a path for someone who's getting into tech today and someone who's looking yeah. to build a career and I'm you a know, tech peer and i mm-hmm. brilliant in tech. If they're getting started today, 2023, yeah. Yeah. how do you think they should be getting started?
0: I think uh, first thing they need to everyone in tech whether they come from say IITs or non-IITs it doesn't matter. First thing is we need to have a good fundamentals. Uh, If you are going to be in technology world need to have technology fundamentals because uh, superficial things can only you can go only that far not not much much farther. So you need to have a good foundational building blocks. Now people who drop out of college. Also, they build very strong like Bill Gates built an operating system or at least coded the operating system on their own. One needs to build those fundamentals like if you're in computer science, you need to understand data structures, algorithms, complexity, hardware, processor, how these things work and they are part of the curriculum anyway. You need to build that fundamental building block really, really solid Uh, and one might argue that when in my life I had to like uh, ever use some of those things, but inherently they get used in some discussion or other, and that's what differentiates uh, uh, between an expert and somebody who is superficial in that field. Uh, so,
1: Prashant, yeah. I-, I want to stop here for a bit, yeah. and because this is a very relevant question, what you pointed out now, very relevant question. Yeah. I get this yeah. day in, day out, day yeah. in, day out from at least 100 people Key data science and par- data structure ki karna hai. Uh, yeah. ye fundamentals These programming fundamentals, yeah. Se, yeah, data structures. Can you give us an example? Uh, so that a, you now you have had a long journey. Can you give us an example? Ki, that that I understand, I understand that ye comfort. Hai. It gives you a comfort to be able to attack problems, to be able to solve a lot of problems. But yeah. can you give us an example, more concrete example, maybe? No, it
0: give comfort. It's not like it's not something comforting, it's part of the job. If uh, even if you say you are using uh, you have everything coded up for you say in libraries say in Java libraries you have a uh, you have a tree map and you have a hash map and you have arrays and everything is coded for you you still need to understand what to use when if you don't know that you might probably be using uh, your data structures inefficiently and then ultimately, it will become a bottleneck in some production issue or the other. See, when you are working at a scale of say uh, uh, Facebook or WhatsApp or uh, Amazon or Ola or zomato or Snapdeal, uh, you operate at a very huge scale. Uh, all those things that work on your computer on a uh, on a single threaded machine or single threaded uh, use case may not. Uh, will not work at at that scale. So if you had some inefficient data structure in your code, it will ultimately, it will surface up when you're working at large scale. Happens a lot in a lot of production incident that happens that somebody did not choose the data structure correctly. Like, uh, I'll take hypothetical example that uh, some programmer just wanted to get a value for some key and they just iterated over an array and got it, and it works pretty fine. And in the dem- demonstration and uh, in all the testing and everything, it it will go in the production. It will just uh, not work because uh, it is in the complexity is an order of uh, magnitude of multiple of uh, say hash. So that happens a lot, and that is where uh, you need people who understand what to use. You need people need to understand. Um, what how databases function say initially to create an app with few users it's not uh, it's not visible that you have used an inefficient technology or inefficient data structure as soon as things scale up it all always surfaces up you will be either paying in terms of a lot of uh, uh, production incidents or in terms of cost you would require say five times more hardware to run your loops that are inefficient loops So it's very important. I mean, I, I, if I have to hire a computer engineer today, also I, everybody that's why I looks for somebody who is strong in data structure and algorithms because uh, that's why they would be able to write the
1: most efficient code. I think that's a brilliant answer. That's a brilliant answer for everyone out there. Why do you already need probably the computer fundamentals and the data structures uh, to get into some of these top companies? To get into some of the large companies, especially, right? Yeah, I think, I think that was a very fair answer, I think, Prashant. Prashant, uh, coming back to, yeah. say, getting started, someone who's getting yeah. started in their career and yeah. they're, they're progressing in their career, what else, what else uh, yeah. do you think?
0: I think, uh, yeah, so first is foundational building blocks. You need to at least understand the bits and pieces of computer science fairly well. Uh, then uh, you need to understand how the process of building software works, right? Like how in when you move from an individual coder to say developing software in teams, how does that work? Like how do you collaborate, how you conceptualize a product and how do you launch a product? Like that is a life cycle of a product uh, at a very high level uh, that includes like software development and product management and design and everything uh, and rollouts and go to market uh, everything. I think one needs to have an open eye to understand how all those things are working uh, for a product to be successful. So to get and internalize that concept takes at least couple of years. It's not like, okay, I did my foundational things and then I go and work three months in a large company and then I get a hang of all the process. Now I can just, now I'm an expert in that field. Uh, At least couple of years just to understand how these things are working. How to collaborate and if you were to say uh, be an independent owner of these things how you would be able to function so it's very important for somebody coming out of college to understand how these uh, companies or software development functions in companies so it's good to have that experience in the choice of your companies and then after a couple of years choose your uh, for a couple of years you can like you can uh, what I what they call it you can fuck around and learn uh, in different technologies front end, back end, data science ML etc uh, but uh, after that you need to choose your uh, choose your area of interest you want to be not driven by say advice not driven by what is going on in the world but driven by your own internal interest and uh, expertise like if you are uh, if you can Empathize with users a lot in terms of user experience UI etc. You will probably choose either on the design side or uh, Or a programmer on the say UI side if you are very mathematically oriented uh, and uh, likes to Uh, work on data a lot, you can uh, choose to become a data scientist. Uh, If you like working on infrastructure things like how the processors and storage and databases etc. are working or functioning and their internal uh, internals of those databases then you can uh, choose to get into infrastructure a lot and uh, then spend couple of years to actually internalize and become an expert in that field so after that I think uh, yeah after that the journey is about uh, about you choosing uh, that you want to uh, now you want to build something that creates a larger impact so be part of a startup and say leadership in a startup or startup on your own say after spending 3-4 years and really internalizing one of the area of your expertise after that it's your choice uh, you can choose to be uh, ultimately in a large company where you learn the process of managing large projects uh, that has quite a large impact but you have to also manage a team whether you are people oriented you are able to motivate people a lot whether people listen to you they follow you then you can Try to get into a more uh, uh, team management uh, sort of uh, career path. If you like to do things individually a lot, but can go as deep as you want, uh, take interest in something like say, MySQL internals, then or Kafka internals, then you can start contributing some of the open source projects, learn about them, and then choose a path where you want to be really an architect of uh, sorts and larger companies third is that if you want to if you think that you you have a good business sense you understand the business really well have empathy from with users want to get into that where where your uh, tech you are strong in but what is really going to create impact is how well you understand the business then you can choose to be part of a startup which can fuel your growth and startups growth a lot as well. so yeah the, after that, there are multiple options available to
1: you. I think I will double down on the part where you talked about interest, where you talked about uh, choice. Uh, I, I think I'll quote uh, Naval Ravikant here, where he says that uh, you should work on things, and why? Why? I just want to talk about why. Why people should be working on their area of interest. And I'll quote Ram- Naval Ravikant here. He says that when you work on things that are of interest to you that that you choose uh, it seems like work to others but it's not work for you it's an area of interest yeah, yeah. for you it seems like fun to you so yeah. i genuinely am a very strong believer in working on things that you totally enjoy otherwise you'll not be able to do uh, brilliant in it you'll at best be an uh, above average uh, let's say we're talking about tech the above average developer at that so definitely double down on i think uh, uh, for people, anyone who is getting started or who's in their middle of their journey, yeah. or double down on what inter- excites you, what yeah, you choose to.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, again, this is a lot of people say love what you do. And if you l- love what you do, you'll never have to work in your life, right? Uh, a lot of people down there don't know what they love, what they love to do, right? And that is where the problem starts. People come and say what, what should I work on, right? Uh, it's the process doesn't start from that. You start working on what you love. The process starts from developing an interest an active interest in something. And that is where I think the advice that love what you do is, I think, doesn't work for most people. I have like so many people asking me, right, this is the advice, love, follower, passion. I think it's pretty rubbish until it. <laughs> Uh, it starts from how do you develop that active interest in something so once you try so you fuck around and learn and try and then you suddenly find yourself in the rabbit hole of doing something say uh, and that that sometimes is driven by the external push as well like uh, you're working in a company and you're uh, you're asked to say I'll take it Hypothetical example, if you're, uh, if you work in a company uh, on a service and you hypothetically is asked to reduce the response time by 50%, okay, for your service, um, that's not what you love, right? That's what you have been asked to do as a, as a work. Now you take that job seriously, sincerely because you are a sincere person so first first cut is that you have to be a sincere person generally you in the life you get lot of boring stuff that you need to work on and one should be sincere about doing a lot of boring stuff as well uh, but coming back to so you are given a happy goal of say response reducing response time now you start looking at your service looking at where it is taking of the time you start Going down the rabbit hole of oh why this database is taking so much time, you start looking at oh I am doing everything well why is still it is taking a lot of time. You go start looking at code of that database. You start you download MySQL's uh, code from GitHub and start looking at it, and you don't know but after a month of doing this, you suddenly starts developing an um, active interest in that rabbit hole. And that is where then the process of doing what you love starts. It generally never starts from that I love databases. No. <laughs> you can't really from the day one you, you can love databases because the next day you would be working on say Kafka. You can say I love Kafka but unless you get into a challenging problem in some area that lets you go down a rabbit hole of sorts where it kind of synchronizes with your skill set and your mental uh, capacity and focus to do that thing really well. then you start developing that active interest in that. Um, half of the half of this is already achieved when you have gone down a rabbit hole. Uh, I mean not half eighty percent of the people don't go down really that deep in any problem. So if you are willing to go down deep, to solve a problem half of the battle is anyway won. you might you will hit your love sometime it wouldn't be like okay I'll I'll work on a challenge problem today so I will know today what I love if you keep looking at problems and challenges in the way that you want to go down into the depth of uh, those technologies you will uh, suddenly find yourself in love with something which you which you would be working on there on your own. You probably, so if I took that hypothetical example, if somebody starts getting into internals of Kafka and code of Kafka, that guy would be working on that over the weekend also without uh, you know, worrying about whether it is office work or he's working just to understand how Kafka works. That is where you know Things starts getting really interesting for you, and you will become an expert in that field inevitably.
1: I think fair point. I think I think uh, interest is also not just about um, finding out and not just about pursuits, but also about a lot about discovery, also a lot about a lot about getting all that boring stuff done. I think I want to come back to Shanta, uh, your journey and your uh, what you're doing today. Uh, You being a CTO at a large company has a lot of responsibilities, right? Uh, yeah, you, you have been there multiple times. Uh, you've been at the head of tech technology multiple times. This is especially true when the company is in always in public eye, right? One of your companies has been, is public today. The matter is, is listed today. Uh, to start with in your role, I want to understand your role a bit. To start with, I first want to understand, do you still get any time to code?
0: Uh, Yeah, I want to find time to code. So, yeah, I do get some time to code and uh, it is kind of gives me a big relief to me from all the hustle and bustle of day-to-day things. So, I like to code and I do get some time. Sometimes not actively for a project or not actively for a feature, but sometimes just to try newer things, just to try what has come like... uh, I'm trying ChatGPT right now, then just to try ChatGPT, it's not coding, but yeah. But similarly, if say somebody from the team came and say they are, they are exploring this, what, what do you think about it? Then I'll make it a point that I also try to at least figure out what does it do and how to uh, play around with that topic so that I can contribute more effectively in those conversations with the team. Of course, I'm not expected to be an expert in all the fields that my team works on, but at least uh, having the knowledge where I can ask the right questions and guide the team to ask the right questions on that technology or exploring that technology. So yeah, I do uh, take interest in coding and try to code whenever I find time.
1: So Prashant, uh, what would we say the primary responsibilities of a uh, CTO at a large company, and yeah. what what do you say would be the your favorite part out of that?
0: Yeah, I think the large companies, say Facebook or Google, it would be very different. Uh, the large companies, say at Ola or Snapdeal or Zomato, it is slightly different. And um, uh, so I would say at companies that are still a startup but are large companies, say Zomato, Swiggy. Uh, mm-hmm. ola snapdeal and i think amazon also function a bit like that um it's uh, mostly it is you know three four things one is that you have to uh, keep a very motivated self driven teams so uh, your responsibility is to keep motivating them uh, keep them organized Keep the, uh, keep the performance indicators uh, fairly communicated and organized so that the teams are self-driven. And uh, another responsibility is to keep driving innovation and features for your product. Third is that have a very good connect with, with the product and the users of the product. Uh, uh, so develop a sense of what, where we fail, what we can develop, uh, and what we can build. Uh, and for, of course, work with different stakeholders, uh, your, your operations partners, your customer experience folks, your uh, product and design folks, your management, your CEOs, and board. So... Yeah, but major part in these companies is spent on uh, making sure that your team is motivated and driven, making sure the execution is proper. Uh, if you have committed to drive certain impacts in a quarter or in a month, making sure on day-to-day basis that things are on track and working. Uh, as a part of, as a sub part of that is the making sure that the uh, architecture and the technologies that the team is following that uh, follows your company philosophy or guidelines. So uh, uh, I take active interest in reviewing almost all the features from a technology architecture perspective that goes out, and uh, yeah, and then managing
1: stakeholders. And I think all of this, uh, while at the same time incubating in innovation, right, in the team, in yes. the product, and everything. So, yeah. so, which is, a, I, I know for a fact, very difficult task, uh, yeah. getting things done at time, getting, keeping you yeah. on track and, simultaneously, uh, yeah. you know, incubating a lot of innovation. And what would you say is your favorite part? What would you say you enjoy the most? Yeah, I think,
0: uh, um, very, uh, Loaded question. I enjoy most part of my job. <laughs> but uh, my favorite part is mostly uh, reviewing the architectures with the team. Where I get uh, get to take a deep dive into how things are working, how, how we are planning to say, uh, release a new feature. Uh, where how people have chosen a certain technology what kind of algorithm are we going to build so going deep into that that kind of keeps me uh, connected with the team and all levels of the team and keeps me connected with the technology that we are using at the same time some um, selfish part of the job to ensure that uh, things scale when they go into production and things uh, are following the um, technology philosophy of the company like people are not just fragmenting technology a lot within the organization.
1: I think, uh, I, think uh, that I don't, I totally uh, get what you're saying. I want to move a little bit uh, mm-hmm. deeper into your journey. And I, I think I have, uh, I noticed that work with, you've always been working with startups, you have led so many startups and you, but you've always been working in startups. You have had your own startup also in the past. Why? what I understand that there is a lot of, I totally now understand based on this discussion, what attracts you to tech, what has kept you in tech and what has helped you grow in tech? Why startups?
0: Yeah. So earlier part of my career were in say software services kind of uh, environment. And uh, then I was not getting the fulfillment of creating an impact or building something really quickly. So once I moved to startup, say first snap deal uh, I figured this is where I want to be because this has the right amount of pace I get to build something that creates impact immediately like I can build make a change today and that it it starts reflecting like immediately so that amount of pace is generally uh, I haven't seen uh, or I haven't heard of in larger companies and that's also because of
1: certain reasons, but yeah, uh, Look, Prashant, uh, I, yes. I want to stop you here and yeah. I actually want to understand I, and a lot of people do genuinely want to understand. And I, I noticed that you mentioned that Amazon still functions a lot in the, at least uh, take part of Amazon still functions a lot in a very startup C kind of a way. Yeah. But why do you think a lot, lot of large companies, I say, it be service-based companies or it be a lot of large companies in general, uh, they stop functioning in that, startup C way because they at some point they did start that way yeah i think they lost that
0: yeah. yeah i think it's fairly natural the cost of making a mistake is much 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 higher than the advantage you have from the speed of making that change so at say at google search if i just thought of something and i i made a change today that it start reflecting to like billions of users a day the Impact of that being a mistake would be much much higher than the advantage. I will be getting out of that. So what happens at startups and the startups environment is that your cost of making that mistake is not not very very high and the impact that you will bring from that change or from this that speed would be would be much much higher than the uh, cost it might the mistake can have so when your advantage kind of surpasses the cost and then inherently that develops uh, an attitude in the team and in the, in, in the founders also that right now we need to be courageous, need to uh, make more mistakes uh, to make more progress and which is fine. So that's where uh, it works really well that's what it was for think, me as well.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's more about the attitude or more about the cost? Because I think uh, what I've seen is that, uh, uh, that attitude is still there in a lot of, a uh, lot of people who lead large organizations. Yeah. Uh, but do you think it's about the attitude or? It's yeah, it's about, the, about
0: the attitude as well. So if you have that attitude, you will develop processes where the cost of making a mistake is lower. So for example, we took an example of Amazon. I think they're they function in a smaller team, still smaller team sizes and, those teams can make more mistakes faster because they have now organized themselves in such a way that they works as like many, many micro startups where each team works as a startup where the cost itself becomes lower uh, cost of mistake becomes lower. So once you have that attitude, you start building things from the perspective of managing the uh, risk of mistakes so that you always can move fast but manage the cost of mistakes. So once you have built an operation like that, it can continue to function as a startup for really, really long time.
1: Amazon runs so many startups internally. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, <clears throat> so Amazon has a program where uh, it encourages some of its top uh, people to build products that will break Amazon, to build products that will kill Amazon in general. And uh, so in its early days now, when Amazon was uh, piggy banking on that, uh, past where it was selling books, uh, someone came up with this idea to kill Amazon, uh, by creating this whole Kindle and the ebook concept. That is how uh, a lot of people are not aware of that, uh, Kindle yeah. story. That is how Kindle came out of mm, Amazon. When someone said, okay, I'll kill Amazon. Yeah. So Amazon sells a lot of, lot of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of, uh, physical books, right? Let's build yeah. a, a Kindle where people will be reading on the devices, not on books. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of risk taking that you have to inculcate in the culture. So for a startup, it is very easy to do because it is floating in the culture uh, really, really well on day-to-day actions. And uh, when you get bigger, you have to keep uh, communicating the same to the team that you need to reinforce the same culture. Uh, the thing about culture is that when the teams get bigger and if you're not communicating enough, then people may understand something as a culture which is not part of the culture so it is very important for leadership to keep communicating through actions like yeah if you say we are risk-taking and you you start penalizing somebody who took a risk and failed then uh, that create dissonance like you can't you can't say this is my culture and act a different way so it takes you know very diligent steps to continue that uh, journey of a startup
1: culture. Promoting commission of mistakes over commission of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so back to uh, the startup journey. You have been a startup uh, insider, right? How do you think uh, the startup space has evolved over the years in India? Because you have seen it all. You have seen it was not the same 10 years back, right? How do you think think the space has evolved?
0: Yeah, I'm really happy the way it has evolved. I think uh, in from 2011 to 2023, it has been an outstanding journey for Indian startup ecosystem. Uh, Startups were not that acceptable in uh, 2011, 2010, right? Uh, People did not see you doing something amazing when you were working in a startup or starting up on your own. It was not an acceptable as much acceptable socially. Also, then the funding etc also was uh, you know limited but it was kind of growing started doing after around 10. now everybody understands startup shark tank has become popular everybody is it's like uh, wants to do a startup socially it is such an acceptable thing to do if you now you have FOMO of not doing a startup right now so it has evolved really really well in terms of funding it has already so many VCs has come in last 10 years Uh, you know the amount of funding it has gone into startup ecosystem uh, the kind of uh, uh, encouragement the startup ecosystem receives from the government and government bodies I think it has been amazing Uh, last 10 years has been amazing for the startups in India and from here on I think we are going be the startup capital of the world uh, uh, in a few years uh, because because of the sheer size of our market sheer size of the problem that we have to solve for and we have kind of as a country we have leapfrogged into this technology journey so a lot of problems to be solved still uh, which will be solved through the technology amazing uh, journey it has been for startups last 10 years.
1: Yeah I think uh, nobody can complain about that and and uh, if we're talking about a journey, I don't want to talk about Zomato. Zomato is a publicly listed company. I don't want to put you yeah. in a difficult spot, uh, but yeah. let's talk about Ola. And you said that a lot of companies are uh, even continuously building products. But what yeah. would uh, say uh, a company like Ola, Ola is an established company. It's one of the leaders yeah. in this, uh, in the industry, yeah. in the startup industry in general. And method yeah. is obviously the leader what new developments could you be working on and with what yeah. vision? It's already, it's already big enough. It's already established. Yeah. What's there to build now?
0: Yeah, I, I still can't be very specific uh, in terms of what exactly, but see, when you're serving millions of customers every day from your platform, uh, you have this inherent responsibility uh, to serve them well. And now if you're a marketplace like, say, Ola or Zomato or Snapdeal, you have to keep improving the experience of your customers on a day-to-day basis. You have to keep improving the experience of your partners or, say, driver partners in Ola or restaurant owners in Zomato or a seller at Snapdeal. You have to keep improving their experience on a day-to-day basis. Uh, And you have to, you don't have to benchmark against your current. You have to take new ideas new strides into how can uh, make your how can you make that experience in order of magnitude much much better not what others are doing but what you can do and so you try newer ideas to improve that experience ultimately uh, any product works when the experience is good if your experience is not good it will fade away ultimately so most initiatives on on the product-facing products or on the user-facing products in consumer internet would be around improving your experience and experience is not just using the app I think experience can be broken down so many different journeys that say uh, at e-commerce it would be not just buying journey and payment journey but your delivery journey or your returns journey or your cancellation journey. so there are so many user journeys that are there which uh, may not have optimal customer experience or where you can Use a new technology to create a completely disrupt that experience. That is where all you don't want to be disrupted by an external uh, product. You keep on disrupting yourself uh, to provide a better experience to your partners and to your customers. That's where uh, most of the focus always remains.
1: So, Prashant, experience. Since we're talking so there is a startup ecosystem around, uh, there is a major for lack of better word say complain uh key startups start with uh, providing an experience to let's say if you are a marketplace to both your both your players right yeah. yeah let's let's talk about let's say let me give an example of ola you provide an experience to not just your uh, riders but also to your drivers but once these startups grow they become so large that they they are able to they are able to have a lot of control which in itself is a uh, uh, somebody, someone would say, uh, not a very brilliant experience, right? When where you're able to uh, decide on behalf of your partners, mm-hmm. uh, if it, it is in the case of Ola, if you were to talk about Ola in specific, uh, you started with the experience of uh, making la- life more rewarding, making uh, driving more rewarding, making this whole career more rewarding for say, uh, your cab drivers. Uh, you are yeah. also uh, were focused on your riders, I believe. Uh, but let's, if you talk about them and then yeah. suddenly the company grew so large that uh, it has it's just started to, uh, some would say it has started towards it It can, at least if not started to, it can control uh, what happens with them today. That's not just the story of Ola, but the story of every startup in general. That's a, com- yeah. for lack of a better word, like I said, it's a complaint. Mm-hmm. At this point, the, what kind of things can uh, a company do to focus on still their user experience? Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I wouldn't be very specific to the example of say one product, but say any marketplace you take. Mm-hmm. Uh, inherently, all these companies like say Snapdeal, Amazon, uh, Myntra, Flipkart, uh, Zomato, Swiggy, Ola, Uber, all of them are on a day-to-day basis are trying to improve the experience on both the sides. It's not an easy problem to solve if say I better uh, the experience not better if I give an experience to a seller what they want completely like completely controlled by them then the user wouldn't be getting what they want. If I completely flip it towards the user if I give what exactly the user wants user want mobile phone in 100 rupees then it will completely uh, I'll completely be on the negative side of uh, my seller experience so I still as a marketplace all these technology marketplace do try on a day to day basis provide a better experience on both sides. but at the same time controlling the uh, trying to balance the equation so that if I start providing I skew it a lot in favor of say Customer immediately, my seller experience will go go away. If I skew completely in in favor of seller, my my uh, consumer experience will go away. So it's not an easy problem to solve per se. But day on day basis, uh, I have seen these companies internally. The the desire and aspiration is on a day to day basis to just provide the best experience on both sides, given the constraints you have the constraints you have is that uh, one person is giving the money and another person is taking the money right you the constraint is that you cannot uh, infinitely keep generating a newer money from externally ultimately a business has to work uh, between these two people in a marketplace and uh, so that's how it is it is not a not I mean, in isolation, if you talk to one side, they will say uh, the experience is not great because of the other side. The other side will say it is not because of the other side, but you are the guy who's sitting in between and taking complaints from both sides. So, uh, but it's not that you, I, I always hear of complaints from both sides. I think uh, they complaints get amplified much more than the you know, than the appreciation for these products. I think there are there would be a multiple of uh, uh, a many hundreds of thousands of multiple of the people who complain. There would be many thousands of multiple who would be really dependent in your product or appreciating them. There are many people whose livelihood depends on the marketplaces, the sellers whose livelihood depends on the marketplace. Their sellers' employees' li- livelihood depends on the marketplace, their drivers, or say a restaurant's livelihood depends on the marketplace. So there, there are like millions of people, uh, who depends on these for their livelihood and for their, uh, use case. It's just that those complaints gets amplified a lot more, but I think reality is very different from what we see here in one or two social media posts.
1: Yep. I think startups have been, uh, I think the country needs more startups for exactly the reason that you talked about, uh, startups are what create more jobs what creates more, what creates more contributes to the, it contributes not just to the economy, but it also creates yeah. livelihoods. Yeah. It pulls out, uh, it has pulled out, for example, if you talk about Ola, it has created so many jobs, so many jobs. Yeah, okay. If we talk about Zomato, it has created so many jobs, uh, both at the yeah. ground level, as well as say in the, in their own internal tech teams and. Uh, yeah, yeah, all these
0: companies democratize, democratize these, uh,
1: you know, these industries
0: earlier, there would, there would be one person sitting, managing say, uh, big restaurant and would be only able to deliver stuff to you. Now, Swiggy and Zomato have democratized the process that you tomorrow can think of creating your own samosa joint and then setting out very, uh, you know, at a very low cost uh, and then they still create a big brand. So uh, all these companies, all these marketplaces uh, had taken that strong middleman out. Although marketplace people can say work as a middleman, but very democratized marketplace where one could actually create an impact at a very low cost. So that's why providing more livelihood and more control to the people who are on the marketplace.
1: I know just livelihood for, uh, as a business grows, obviously you provide a lot of livelihood to, uh, yeah. to players who interact with your platform, but also a lot of, yeah. lot of livelihood, a lot of jobs that get created. Right. Yeah. I, I believe, I don't know, maybe Ola would be, high, would be employing maybe more than I believe, Thousand people, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. More than that, and not just the direct employment. If you look at the the growth and the courier segment from since the e-commerce has grown, like yep. uh, and growth in the people who do uh, deliveries on say Swiggy and Swiggy, the that creates a livelihood and employment for a lot more people.
1: And let's let's talk about say the the internal company for a bit. Uh, as the company starts to grow and you grow in number of people, you grow to a thousand member team, uh, how does the uh, team structure go? And especially if you want to talk about from the tech side, how does the tech team structure grow as the company grows? As well, Also, what kind of best practices you need to take care of when you're growing as a team uh, and yeah. you need to ensure if, uh, the team grows organically? Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, as the team grows, you have to st- start putting a structure to it. So as, if you're a, And generally, first product gets built with say 10 to 15 people team, and after that, you start evolving. uh, You have to start putting structures because ultimately you have to do divide and conquer. uh, Where uh, say if if you have 50 people, you split a problem into say five, and then parallelly start working on it. So you have to uh, start putting structures, especially start you have to start putting structure with. very strong business focus like say on the uh, in an e-commerce you'll put say uh, you'll create a team for say seller experience you'll create a team for consumer experience you'll create a team for say platform so very focused ownership of say business that's how the structure evolves at startups that it has to be completely aligned to the business and very business focused Uh, when that structure evolves you hire more people what you need to keep in mind that you're hiring the right people, you are giving them a lot of ownership of those business objectives, so that they also feel great about creating impact and creating business impact, and uh, hire talented people, high energy folks, uh, who uh, who show great amount of ownership towards your shared goal of the startup. That's how the uh, the teams generally grow. And the best practices, uh, if you talk about, I think, uh, um, yeah, one of the things that uh, I would recommend is that always keep a good check on your hiring uh, bars. Uh, that who are you hiring? Because sometimes when you're hiring really fast, you might uh, end up with more wrong hires than the right hires. So have to be very focused on who are you hiring Uh, you have to hire uh, people with with a good skill set i mean who shows expertise in their area of work to good amount of ownership so that people who uh, who are proud of what they have been working on what they want to work on they take pride in it no matter how uh,
1: if there is a person who yeah. Prashant, uh, how do you evaluate when you're uh, say hiring? How do you evaluate for something like that? How do you, how do you ensure so,
0: that? Uh, yeah, I think people who take ownership, a lot of ownership, I think, uh, are pretty vocal about their work. Uh, so, if you ask them to, uh, to tell you about a product or an idea that they work on, no matter how stupid the idea might seem to the world or to you. They would be very passionate about talking about it. That they feel really proud about it, and this is really what is going to work, and and that's where you figure out that vibe that that person really takes ownership in what they were doing. Even if sometimes, even if people were like, say, developing just one part of the product. Say somebody wasn't just a front end developing app, but uh, you will be able to figure out the way they articulate the product like. Oh, I really did this and when it went out, uh, users loved this, user hated this in the, in our product and we have to go back and make this change and that change. You know that that person was really attached to the idea and, uh, and that's where I think the ownership part you can evaluate. Of course, it's hard to um, measure ownership in interviews, but I try to figure it through some of these conversations. And how proud somebody is feeling about it, how attached they feel to the idea and uh and the process of building what they built
1: so prashant uh if uh i were today interviewing uh with uh, prashant parasha today at yeah. uh ola or Zomato or say yeah. uh and um what kind of questions could i expect
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so unfortunately, I generally don't follow a template of questions, um, and now because, um, yeah, because now lately I have managed larger teams, so first few rounds are not taken by me uh, personally. But if I were to take an interview, I so let's say let's say I have already yeah.
1: qualified the three rounds before that. Now I'll yeah. up to you, and uh, this is my final interview.
0: Yeah so okay uh so what i generally do is uh i ask the candidate to uh to tell me about a the project they work on then i go take a deep dive with them in that project like take a deep dive into like really really deep on one part one aspect of the of that uh product product or project where uh, i try to gauge how deep that person has been in that project deep technically or deep from perspective of uh, launching that product so depends on the product but i want to understand how much depth there is in that person that's what i talked about in the initial part of the conversation that the depth is something that is very important to me that and then uh then have some of the questions around the Technologies, the technology choices, why somebody made those choices, what was important to them in that product, what was, uh, and what were some of the mistakes they made in that product. So generally, the, the conversation focus a lot on one product that person did, and uh, going deep into that conversation. From that conversation, what I try to figure out is the depth, the ownership, and The understanding of the entire process of say launching that product, if how much of that person understand that or uh, whether he has been part of just part of one aspect and did not has the curiosity to figure out what is going on outside uh, or if he has been really deep and even if he did not have curiosity and it is say architect profile, then how deep he went into there, the technology aspect of things uh, and technology choices in that. Project. So, so this particular aspect is very important in the conversation that happens, and uh, yeah, apart from this uh, general con- conversation about uh, you know life, trying to figure out the attitude, what is the next phase of life in that person's career, whether he's going to go all in into this or just uh, superficially exploring. So yeah, but yeah, most part is focused on the product that
1: they worked on. I think Prashant, this has been one of the most in-depth conversations we have had. I think we covered a lot of things. We talked about ChatGPT. We talked about building a career. We talked about uh, the future of tech in general, right? We talked about startup ecosystem. We talked about so many companies. We talked about uh, how mock interview would look like, right? With the city of uh, some of the largest startups in the country today. I think. uh, Thanks for making it, Prashant.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Really, it was an interesting conversation for me uh, because I had to open up uh, and see what's inside, right? Because I sometimes also did not give that much of thought of uh, how I really, you know, go about these things. So I had to also look a little bit inside and figure out, Mm -hmm. oh, this is the process I follow. Generally, sometimes we follow those things very instinctively. So yeah, great conversation.
1: Awesome. If you enjoyed this then like, subscribe and say a quick hi or share your thoughts in the comments and the guests you want. Also do share and tag us on Twitter and LinkedIn and let us know so that we can follow you and reshare. Also you will find our community links in the description notes. So see you again in the next discussion.